want to invite you to listen carefully to the words, even though this scripture, this first scripture, is very short. It really has the potential of changing our lives if we take on what's said. Our scripture reading this morning is from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. So on this one, this is a very familiar story where Jesus responds to the question of one of the lawgivers. Notice the difference in this one, though, on some of the others that we might know. And I'll go into that in the sermon in just a bit. The gospel reading is from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that, he answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. This is God's word. We moved in two weeks ago, as I shared, and it, it, uh, as you know, moving in is a process, but one of the delights that we had was meeting our neighbor, Jim, just up across the yard, up the hill a little bit. And Jim came down, and as he was mowing his lawn, and just greeted us as though we were old friends, and it was wonderful. And already what we feel is uh, just a, a piece about, for instance, we're leaving just for a week to be gone, and knowing that Jim is there, and that Jim will be able to look down the hill right over the house and just kind of keep an eye on things. Neighbor, Jim. Not to be confused with our neighbor in Auburn. I'd like all of you guys to just shut your ears here for a second. (laughs) But they know because they've driven by this house. Our neighbor in Auburn, Joe. Joe is a very difficult combination. Joe is a garbage man and a hoarder. Now, I want you to just think about that for just a second. A garbage man and a hoarder. Twelve lawnmowers in the backyard. Stacks of things. He's built shed after shed after shed because he keeps filling up the sheds that he's already built. Every single day, without exception. Every single day, right? Every single day. Without exception, Joe will get out of his truck after work and he will either have a large bin on his, sh- on his shoulder with all kinds of materials. We have no idea where he's going to put this set. Or 
The more interesting days are when we hear the rumbling of the truck driving up to the front of the house and that incredible sound of a dumping that happens. And it takes him a couple hours to get everything placed where it needs to be placed. Garbage man, hoarder, neighbor. And there are times where Joe's just not a very nice guy. Many of you know that the other thing that we did is we moved up from Santa Monica, California three years ago, and there was an interesting thing happening in Santa Monica. And that is that in the old neighborhoods that were built back in the 20s and 30s of these adorable little houses, and they really are adorable, those houses that are left, you walk through those and they're just incredible, the craftsmanship. But what invariably happens there is somebody will buy that little piece of property with that beautiful little house on it, pay a million plus dollars for that and immediately tear it down. Tear it down. And what they will do is they will build a house that literally goes property line to property line, front, back, and sides. It's called mansionization. It's an interesting term, isn't it? Why do they do that? Well, because the whole idea of neighbor down there is not what we necessarily have here, whether in Auburn or in Bellevue or anywhere else, I think in many places around the country. The neighbor down there is someone to be protected from. The neighbor there means I build my house in such a way that as soon as I get home, I can drive into my garage, shut the door, and see no one for as long as I choose. It has become an isolation place of protectionism. And it is a completely different mentality than anything we grew up with. For those who grew up maybe in the 20s and the 30s, maybe even the 40s and 50s, the whole idea of neighbor went far beyond the need for an egg or a cup of sugar. The idea of neighbor was that no matter what the need was, this was almost a member of the extended family. It was that if the plowing needed to be happened, the neighbors would gather and help each other out. If the crops needed to be brought in, everyone gathered and brought those crops in. If the hood of your car was up, there would be two or three others who would gather around just to see if there was anything you might need. Neighbor. Three very different views of it. But let's now jump from there to the time of Jesus. In the time of Jesus, the whole idea of neighbor was, was very different, much more like Santa Monica. Was that neighbors, not just those who lived across or beside, neighbors were those countries that surrounded you. Neighbors there were to be feared. Neighbors there, in all too many cases, were those to be hated. And it was mutual. There was an aspect of, of protectionism that took place. And well, it should. If you remember, they had lost everything twice to exile. And now they were being overthrown and really were overthrown by a conquering country. A world power of Rome. A very difficult time where if they didn't take care of each other, the fear was that they would again disappear. 
And so here comes this Galilean rabbi who walks into this huge mix. And he is in this confrontation relationship often with the powers that be, particularly the religious powers. And one of them corners him one day and says, Rabbi, so what is the greatest commandment? And he immediately quotes the Shema, that which I described before. The Shema reads, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This was so important to every Jew. Every single one knew this scripture by heart. And they would literally tie it to their foreheads or on the wrists of their children. They would put it on the doorposts of their homes, even back then, to remind them every day of the importance of that. That you are absolutely to love God first with all of your being. You can see that person of the law nodding as Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy yeah, 6. And then he responds and says, but the second is like it, Jesus said. But what's interesting, let me read you the, the scholarly translation of this. According to Jewish scholars, Leviticus 19.18 reads, You are to be loving to your neighbors as one like yourself. Did, did you hear that? You are to be loving as neighbors as one like yourself. Now think about that. Because what Jesus does is he completely twists and re-kind of energizes that phrase. And instead of what you just heard, he says, and you are to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then if you look at one of the other Gospels, there is a story because someone comes to him and says, but master, who is my neighbor? And let's go back to Sunday School 101. And what story does he then tell? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. Thank you. I know you don't know me well. I really, when I ask those questions, I really mean it. Okay? It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, we sing songs about the Good Samaritan. We bring the Good Samaritan into Bible school. And yet, what happens in that time is as soon as Jesus combines those two words, good and Samaritan, and add one more, neighbor, there is a level of disgust and anger that, can, that just immediately crops up for anyone who would have heard that. These are some of the most despised people between the Jews and the Samaritans for a variety of reasons. I don't have time to go into those today. But there is hatred so much that if you live on the north in Nazareth, say, and you need to get to the south in Jerusalem, what happens is you don't go as the crow flies. You don't want to touch anything Samaritan, including the soil. And so what you do is you cross over down the Jordan River Valley, back up the steep mountain, over the hill to Jerusalem instead of going the straight line, which would be so much easier. That's how deep the hatred is. In one fell swoop, Jesus completely redefines the term neighbor. 
And you can imagine how difficult it was for them. But it's also difficult for us, isn't it? I wonder if Jesus came to tell the story, what the title would be today. Would it be maybe the good crip? Or the good blood? Or maybe for Pastor Brad, the good garbage man? We all have them. How about that person who drives up beside you with a subwoofer that fills the back seat of their car? And you feel the windows in your car rattle, and you see him driving like this. Neighbor? What about that person next door who doesn't take care of their lawn at all? Neighbor? What about that person on the opposite end politically of you? And you can't stand their opinion at all. Neighbor? Neighbor? Well, the whole idea of neighbor has expanded, hasn't it? And it's as difficult today as it was back then, but let me take this a little farther. It's been a while now since the earthquake in Japan. The amazing thing about living in today with the news that is so available is we are readily able to see the damage and the lives that are so deeply impacted by a tragedy of that magnitude. Then the tsunami, which we're going to be dealing with for the next five and maybe more years. And then the compromise of the nuclear power plant and even the helicopters that fly over our homes that we know as it's reading the radiation that may be in the air. And can you imagine? I mean, and we need to move beyond our own self-protection and understand if it's that powerful here, what it is in Japan. Neighbor. Or in Haiti, even today, in Haiti, where the earthquake hit and we lost this church Auburn lost a beloved young woman um, who was killed as the children's center collapsed. And yet even this last year, the hurricane force winds and the torrential rains and the disease that is spreading continually throughout that region, particularly with the children, neighbor. Minot, North Dakota. Again, tens of thousands of acres influencing and impacting tens of thousands of lives and living. Absolute devastation. Neighbor. In September, we have an opportunity again to go and build with our sisters and brothers who are Muslim and Jewish and Christian to provide for a needy family a home that they would have never dreamt was available as we together we build with our neighbors. Neighbor has been completely redefined and it means all that I just described. And I want to tell you what I believe. First of all, that if we really do as United Methodist Church believe that all are welcome. 
that all need to have access to what we have of love and care. That all need to have access to clean water and food. That all need to have the opportunity to come and worship in a place of love and acceptance. And then what we do is we make sure that everybody around us knows of the availability of this place. And as I said to the church in Auburn, I say to you, if truly we live out this greatest commandment of loving God that all, with all that we are, and we live out the commandment of loving our neighbor as we love, accept, support, and take care of ourselves, I will guarantee you that if that word got out, if that word got out, we wouldn't have room enough in one or two or five services on any day of the week. Because there's not a person anywhere who isn't looking for that. Not one. Neighbor. Who is your neighbor? I want to challenge you to close. To continue to look at the world not just through your eyes but as we love God with all that we are our heart our mind our strength and our soul if we are loving God with all that we are the natural inclination is to love others as we love ourselves friends as you leave this place today Begin to look at your neighborhood, maybe differently. Or look differently at that young person who is driving the car with the subwoofer. Or differently at the person who may have differing political views than you. When, D when Jesus shifted that second part of the greatest commandment, it became a challenge, not just for them, no, but for us. We must come to terms with this and support that team as they go to share the good news and the love of people throughout the world as their hands and their work combine with thousands of others to spread the love of Christ throughout the world. Will you pray with me? God of all creation. Help us to look around us with eyes that are not our own. But we know that we cannot do that if we don't seek to love you in deeper ways first. So I ask, as the new pastor at Aldersgate United Methodist Church, that you warm our hearts and allow us to deepen And then allow us to look again and again and again with new eyes. There is so much need around us, and I don't just mean feeding and clothing. Need for hope, need for love, need of acceptance, need of invitation. Guide us as your people. All this we ask in the powerful name of the one we seek to follow. 
Jesus Christ.